Hey parents, whether you're going back to school or learning from home, the Preschool Box is here to help. The Preschool Box is all about helping children unlock their potential by making learning fun. Each month, the Preschool Box will send you a box packed full of engaging and educational activities with a focus on reading and math skills that will prepare your little one for success in school. It's amazing! These monthly work-at-your-own-pace activities encourage learning, reading, and creativity in kiddos aged 3 to 6, and each box has an array of hands-on activities, crafts, and worksheets, which you can structure to match your child's pace and level of development. And the best part is that every box has a set of focus skills, so each month you get new and exciting material to work on. The work you do at home now with your kids is so important for their future. Let the preschool box help you and your child have fun learning together. Head over right now to thepreschoolbox.com and use code PARENTDRIVEN to get $5 off your first preschool box. Welcome to Parent Driven Development. I'm Allison, and today I'm here with my friend Chris. Hello, I'm Chris, and I'm here with my friend Arit. Hi, I'm Arit, and I'm here with my friend Kewu. Hi, I'm Kewu, and I'm here with my other friend Chris. Hello, my name is Chris, and today we're here with our guest, Yvonne Marcus. Yvonne is a home system strategist, mom of two, lover of Girl Scout cookies, cake, creating song parodies, and getting outdoors with the fam. She's on a mission to revolutionize everyone's view of hashtag mom life. She's the creator of Your Agile Home, a four-week course that seeks to get your family working together, feeling like a valued member of the team, instilling autonomy and having fun. Yvonne, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. It's so good to be here. So the course you offer is called Your Agile Home. It looks really awesome. Before we get into the specifics of that, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background, and ultimately what led you to create this? Yes. So it's really funny how I came into this. I originally worked in television production in operations. So it seems like not the kind of path that would lead you to Agile in the first place, but it does lead you to managing things and keeping people in order. So when I married my husband, I quit my job and I moved home and we had a baby and I was like, this stuff is stressing me out all the time, as it does because kids are stressful and we have to find a solution. And originally I didn't know what that solution was, but I came upon a TED talk uh, by Bruce Feiler about agile programming for your family. Uh, and I asked my husband what he knew about Agile, um, to which he informed me that that's what he does for work <laughs> as far as how he runs things as a software engineer. And I said, hey, can we try it at home? And he kind of laughed at me at first because it just didn't seem reasonable for home life, you know, for most people who are doing it as a work thing. But he agreed to try it for a month and we did and we've been using it ever since. That's amazing. I'm curious, like, what were the, so there's a lot of different parts that go into Agile, right? And there's like, I feel like everyone has different interpretations of like what Agile means. So I was wondering if you could talk about like what Agile means to you and then what were, what were some of your first steps? What were some of the first parts that you, that you started with or integrated into your lives? Absolutely. So for us, it was about leading a life from our values and to do it collaboratively. 
which allows us to make the work of everyone in the family visible and to manage sort of everything that is on everyone's plate, you know, being able to pull in or ask someone else to help or just picking up slack for someone else as part of it. And also to just be able to be flexible in sort of the, the honey-do list or the to-do list for home projects. And we just started by setting what our actual values were which I have to say is probably the most vulnerable moment in this agile transition. And it's because you will feel like maybe your partner might not agree with your values, even though you know that you are with them because they do align with you and and that you are on the same page, but it will feel a little uncomfortable. So what was that process like of going through and getting the Sharing the values and then and then finalizing and, and establishing what, what y'all felt was important. So for us, I sat down with the internet and just found a list of all the words that could possibly be used as value statements. You know, honesty, integrity, loyalty, it just any of those kinds of big box words. And then I listed them so that synonyms were together. And then I sort of put one at the top of the list that seemed to encompass what I felt like all those other words really meant. And then I circled the one that I actually felt like aligned with my personal values. And I took that list to my husband and I said, here are what I've determined I feel like our family values are. Um, Can you look at them and see what you think? And I think we had one place where I had chosen... I think it was creativity, and we ended up batching that together with learning so that you could learn through creative pursuits as well as just being creative and learning. Was was there anything on your list that was outright rejected? No, and I think that's probably because if, if you talk to someone outside of my marriage who knew us very well, they would say we're basically the same person. (laughs) Well, that's kind of boring, but that's good. I think it's interesting to approach this as like a proactive exercise, because I feel like in a lot of cases, (laughs) at least for me and my husband, we, in, in many areas, I feel like we have compatible values, but not the same values. And we discover those differences when we have a conflict of some kind. (laughs) And that's like, not like it's it's not always in the best frame of mind to be trying to hash out how we're going to reconcile the nuances there. So yeah, there's something really appealing about doing it. Kind of like I, I work too, where it's it's often been very effective for me to focus on like, okay, build the relationship first. And then later when disagreements come up, they're just like that much easier to handle because you already feel on the same page for the vast majority of things. Yeah, absolutely. When you set the values first, it's a lot easier to, one, make decisions about events you're going to attend or extracurricular activities for the children. It's also just a lot easier to deal with conflicts that come up in your relationship or in your family because you can say, hey, we discussed that these were our values and I feel like this aligns with So for instance, one of our values is integrity because it was a word that the kids knew outside of our family uh, because they were learning it at Taekwondo. So they were more familiar with that than the word honesty. 
So now when our children um, sort of give us little white lies as they typically start experimenting with around the age of my oldest child, five, and you can say, are you living with integrity right now? Because that's a word that they're familiar with and they see, um, you know, on our wall and know that that is something that is important to us. So when did you start establish? I'm curious. I'm curious when you sort of established with your partner these sort of household values, like especially how old your children were and if they've changed, they've changed it all since then. So we started when my oldest child was three, so approximately two years ago, because we introduced our baby into the mix. And that's when, you know, it really started to become extra noticeable how much extra was on each of our plates since we both worked from home and we had an infant and a toddler. (laughs) And when we set those values, we set them and we have not changed them at all. That isn't to say that they might not shift as we grow and as the children grow and have their own interests a little bit. But I think that essentially the core values will stay the same. That's interesting. And so what, okay, so it starts with setting values. And then what's like, what is your day-to-day or what is your sort of week-to-week look like in this system? So for us, we run it as Scrum. It was just the process of doing the Agile lifestyle that was going to be easiest for us was to have sprints and have that time box, mostly because it got rid of a lot of the decision fatigue and research fatigue aspects that can come from trying to solve design solutions such as, you know, landscaping or entryway, which was a problem we just solved in this quarantine because it was really bothering us. There were um, not hooks to hang coats on when you would come in the house because it just wasn't set up that way when we moved in and we hadn't dealt with it because in the summer we hadn't really had to deal with it as much. And then in the winter, we just kept coats in the car and coats at the kids' school and we didn't have as much piling up. But now that we were home all the time, that became a problem and we had to come up with a quick solution. And so for us to put that on our two-week sprint and then just have a set amount of time to come up with that solution meant that we just looked around our house, saw that we had a bookshelf, pulled that bookshelf upstairs, put it next to the door and started stacking shoes on that and then found some command hooks we had, slapped those on the wall and started hanging coats. And that's just an example of kind of how the the sprint process works. We sit down, we have a a meeting where we talk about what we want to get done. And then at the end of that sprint, we have a retrospective where we talked about how that worked or didn't work. And then, of course, in Scrum, we have our daily stand-up, which is where we just kind of go over what is on the schedule for today. And the reason we do that is because, I mean, especially right now when we're all working from home, you don't want to have two conference calls scheduled at the same time when you're in the same space, or you don't want to have two conference calls scheduled at a time when you have to drop the kids off at school or pick them up when we're in normal circumstances. Oh, and also that's when I schedule self-care. So we talk about exactly how much time we need to do something for ourselves during the daily standup, because if you don't plan for and schedule that at the beginning of your day, you will find a million reasons to skip it because you'll say, oh, I need to do this instead, or I need to do that instead. And then at the end of the day, you're kind of burnt out from the exhaustion of just being. 
Yeah, that's very important. So how involved are the kids? Because it sounds like they're pretty young and, and during the, like the daily stand-up. So they are very young. For right now, they have a daily scrum board that has sort of the list of things that they need to complete in order to be ready to leave for school or to get ready for bed in the evening. So they actually have two. And they also participate in sort of the weekly and the the end of the two-week meeting to just talk about what they have as needs. And sometimes that might be that they want some favorite candy to be on the grocery list, or it might be that there is a problem in their bedroom with where their underwear is in the drawer that they can't reach it. And then we have to discuss, you know, well, what would be a better solution for that? What about the things that, you know, the parents are, are planning? Are, is that also stuff that the kids are involved in or do, do they sit through or, you know, I, I can imagine my kids, you know, glazing over and wandering off. Yes. So we try and keep the kids portion really limited and then let them kind of run around the room. We also take mm-hmm. breaks for dance parties and things like that just to kind of liven it up. And yeah, if they have some input while we're still having the meeting, we're all still in the same room and then they'll just pipe in and, and give that aspect. But yes, they may wander off and be playing with a toy, but they're still kind of actively listening. I think I need to bring that dance party idea back to the office. That's that's a good one. (laughs) Yeah, we love it. And it just kind of peps everybody up. Yeah. And creativity begets ideas flowing. Uh, which is part of why you just write down every single idea that comes up for a solution to a problem. Because if you don't assess all of the solutions, then you might miss one that actually is the right one. And in Agile, obviously, we know that no solution is going to be like the exact perfect solution on the first try. Talk a little bit about accountability in in uh, amongst these methods that you have for, you know, if if, if say that you've divided and conquered in some way or or tasks have been assigned out how how that works without getting into the that like nagging dynamic that can often happen otherwise yeah so for us when we sit down and we have our meeting and we talk about what needs to be done and we kind of list out who who has the strengths in certain areas and self-assign the tasks that are on the list then everybody else just kind of forgets about it until the two weeks is up. And then we look at what got done or didn't get done. And we discuss why or why it didn't get done, like what worked and what didn't work. Maybe it's, you know, we didn't have access to the right tool, or maybe somebody else didn't complete the first half of the task. So therefore, the second half couldn't be done because, you know, the other person had a time constraint that they didn't realize was going to happen. And, you know, those things just happen. But having this feedback loop allows us to evaluate exactly why there was a backup or a bottleneck in the solution. And then we can come up with a way together to solve that bottleneck. Hey, Yvonne, this sounds, um, just listening to you talk about the, the approach, it sounds really awesome to my ears. Because maybe as a dev, I'm kind of familiar with the concept and, you know, how it plays out. But how would you suggest maybe getting skeptical spouses, partners or kids on board? Like, 
is is there a way you recommend for families maybe to ease into the process, especially when the other members of the family or the household may not be as familiar with these concepts? Absolutely. That is probably the number one question I get. And for me, I just tell people, you know, if it's something you want to try, start with the daily stand-up because that is where even the most skeptical person is going to see the fastest improvement in their daily lives. And I usually, you know, just go over all of the things that you have to do in one day and figure out who can do what and and map that out. But if they're even reticent to doing that, sometimes I just tell somebody to to write down what they want to accomplish in two weeks and get started on their own. And then as success is demonstrated through things getting completed, then you can usually bring people into the fold as well. That makes sense. Thanks. We've actually totally seen this ourselves, kind of stumbled upon it in a way, because last year when we bought our first house and we're planning the move and I was pregnant with our second child at the time, my husband was the one. He works for a tech company as a business analyst, not as an engineer. So he's like familiar with a lot of development practices from that perspective. And he was the one who suggested, oh, we should have a nightly stand-up to just talk through all of the different details, like what contractors do we need to get estimates for, like what's going on next. And it really was amazing and saw positive benefits so quickly just to be able to know that we had that time set aside to go through household management discussions. And I feel like it really improved our relationship overall too, because like dinner conversations have a lot less stress on them. It wasn't try to feed ourselves and the toddler while trying to like, like feeling this pressure to get things done. And we could more just like have actual normal daily conversations then because we knew we had time set aside later for like family business. Absolutely. That is one of the things that it does promote is for you to have the ability to have adult conversation outside of just logistics. And the other thing that it does is we all feel a lot of pressure, especially women in society today because of the way that it's set up that mom is like supposed to be responsible for hashtag all the things. And there's this guilt that builds up. And I'm sure that there is some for dads, but you know, that's not my lived experience. And I don't I just know that every mom I know feels this exact same immense pressure. And when we relieve that by making this work visible and helping people to understand what is actually occurring each day, then there's actions that everybody else in your family can take to help relieve some of that. I like to describe it kind of like if you have a a pot on the stove and you have water in it and you want it to boil. For us, we can see the gas you know, sort of going to the bottom of the pot and warming it up and then watching the water start to boil. But if you're like using an electric kettle, then it's all this invisible energy is going into that water until it starts to boil. And that's kind of what every day is like as a parent is that there's all this invisible energy going into taking the kids to school, packing lunches, figuring out what's for dinner, and also doing your everyday job that make this water boil. And you don't want it to the pressure to get so much that it then starts to boil over the pot. I love that. I think that's just like such an incredible way of like explaining all of the things that are that are going on right now in parenting in general and 
yeah, that was fantastic. That was fantastic. I saw a comment from somewhere in, somewhere the other day that in this quarantine era, she worked for a company as a full-time job. That's one full-time job. Childcare is one full-time job. And trying to keep her household running, like supplied with food and cleaning supplies, another full-time job. So like just from there, three full-time jobs. And she said, I can only do at best 1.5 full-time jobs here. So where is the rest of this going to come from? There's just so much labor involved constantly, labor and managing and labor again, I feel. <laughs> yeah. And for me, I always said that the the exhaustion that I felt at a mom at, as a mom at the end of the day wasn't from the actual physical labor of parenting, like picking up my kids and carrying them around the house like 50,000 times a day wasn't what was making me tired. It was my brain that just felt exhausted at the end of the day because there were just a million decisions to make. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to move on to our segment of the podcast where we talk about genius or fails. So things that generally parenting related last couple of weeks that have gone really, really well or, you know, anything you've tried that's, that's gone well or things that have sort of been a little bit of a fail. Does anyone want to go first? Both of my children have fallen to the ground from various seated positions in these last few days for one reason or another. My my to- my two and three quarters year old toddler, him it's more he's he's like squirming and standing on chairs he shouldn't really be, and we're kind of like trying to give him the information, you know, like hey you're pretty close to the edge and whatnot. But I think today he was tired enough that he fell from various chairs like three different times. So I felt pretty bad about that. And then unfortunately, the six, oh, almost seven month old baby, she is extremely excited about dinner and wants to sit to participate, but can't sit independently just yet. So I hold her in my lap, but she also squirms. And the other day, I, she just sort of slipped and then I like dropped her torso down on the carpet I mean it was like it was like a foot but still she's a little baby and that was I felt really bad about that it happened I was also a little bit like ah <laughs> oh, there's like there's only so much I can do when you insist on moving constantly <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have the scrapes it's, yeah. it's so cool. <laughs> all right so I'll go I have I think it's a win so we we're, I was hanging out with my wife and we were looking through and she came across the parent driven dev Twitter poll where we said, what's the hardest thing, you know, as a parent right now during the quarantine. And I think the options were prepping meals, work at home with kids, kids always being around or finding alone time. And we went through this list and the win is that none of those were, were problems. Like, like making meals is fine, working at home, especially with the kids being a little bit older and, and they're they're doing school. You know, we have enough room that we can kind of each retreat to our own office or, or bedroom or whatever to do things. And we tend to give each other space and get together. There's other things that give us problems, <laughs> but we won because nothing in the poll was a particular issue within our family. I'm counting that as a win. <laughs> nice. I can go next. So I don't know if I'll call this a win or genius simply because I feel like I should have done so from the beginning. 
But I think it was yesterday or day before yesterday, I created like a schedule for my son to help him keep track of when he has like actual Zoom class with his teachers and when he's maybe not on Zoom class, but supposed to be doing schoolwork. And then when he has breaks and we've been homeschooling for, I think, almost two months now. And I think it surprised me why I never did that from the beginning, because it got to a point where he was checking with me like several times during the day, I think in an effort to kind of keep track of his own schedule. And it didn't even occur to me that that was what was happening. And I think I became more sensitive to the situation when it started to become annoying for me. Like I kept, <laughs> I kept saying like, why does this kid keep, you know, why do, why does he feel the need to tell me he's going on break or, you know, like I was interpreting it wrong. And then I realized that, no, this is him, you know, attempting to keep on top of his schedule. So that's when I decided to create that grid and print it out and color code it. And it's for the past two days, it's worked fantastically and he's no longer checking in like he used to. And so, but there's a part of me that feels like it's a fail because why did it take me two months to to come up with something like that anyway. So that's me. Hindsight's always perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that and anytime something is annoying is when a solution is going to present itself. <laughs> exactly. Well, I can go next. I don't have like a specific fail moment specifically, but I will say that just overall the past week or so, I felt like there have been little fail moments where like, you know, my, my three-year-old son maybe wouldn't be listening or something like that and be upset about something. And with all of the pressures and stresses going on in the family right now in the current situation we're all in, you know, sometimes you just kind of give up and you're just like, oh, whatever. Like you just kind of, you just let it go. It's no big deal. Well, it turns out that my son has started to like say things like, oh, you know, you tell him like, oh, you need to you need to do this before that or whatever. And he'll just be like, whatever. Or I don't want to talk about that or something like that. I feel like we, I have finally reached the point where uh, he's getting old enough to really like take in exactly everything that you say, as ever, as most parents, you know, say. And that is a new experience for me as, as a, you know, my my eldest is three. So <laughs> I feel like it's something that it's just now happening and I need to need to work on it as time goes on. <laughs> My my littlest, my elder one didn't do this, but my littlest, when she's trying to do something, she'll like do it. Like if she's calling Devin, she'll go like Devin, Devin, and if he doesn't answer, she'll go, ugh. And then <laughs> I'm like, oops, that comes from us. Or <laughs> where you heard that? <laughs> For me, it was when they discovered when they mastered sarcasm and and other snarky comments way younger than all their peers <laughs> i was like uh, uh, yep. oh <laughs> uh, yvonne did you want to go next yeah so yesterday everybody was kind of getting on each other's nerves which i think just kind of happens during this setting and i'd been trying to figure out how to have like fun with the kids and like be fun mom for a minute instead of like stressed out arguing mom and so the kids had wanted to dye their hair. So I bought some of the chalk pins from Amazon. So I took them outside 
and I you have to wet their hair first. So I wet the first kid's hair, and he hates to get his face wet. And of course, like the way I did it, water goes all over his face. And he was miserable for a second, but I had a towel, so he got cleaned up. I got his hair all done green. I dried him off. And then afterwards, he was like, oh, my goodness, this is the best. And then I had to do child number two, who is also not too happy about getting her face wet and her whole body just ends up soaked. But the the win is that at the end, even though they didn't like the process, they were super excited with the new color in their hair. He went green and she went pink and it'll last a few days. <laughs> nice. I will close out our genius fail. So at time of recording this, Yesterday was GitHub Satellite, which is one of our sort of major two conferences during the year. And I was sort of the the front person for launching a new product that my team has been working on called Code Spaces. And it involved doing a live demo during the keynote and also just making sure that everything shipped on time and it was functional, et cetera. And so I talked to my partner about this and because basically I was like, look, I, I just need to be available for rehearsals, for script writing, for practicing, for run throughs, for all of the things. And, you know, I said like in, in a normal time, I would be traveling for this conference and it, it wouldn't matter like how late I worked or if I couldn't help out, right? Because I wouldn't be helping out at home. I would just be traveling. And so we were trying to figure out how to make sure that I had the, the time to to do that. And what we ended up doing, especially his idea, we ended up just putting on our shared calendar, Allison virtually traveling. And because that way he he, I could shift my mindset to sort of be like, cool, I'm not worrying about anything. Like, I'm not worrying about if I like miss dinner or miss bedtime or any of those sorts of things. And he could put himself in the, in the mind frame of like not being annoyed or like resentful that he was like doing so much during that week. Because if I, if I had been traveling, it, it would just be the norm, right? It like wouldn't be a big deal. And so we, we both shifted ourselves into that mindset, which was really amazing and helped me sort of like be able to focus on what I needed to do and the live demo and the launch, like it, everything went really well. And he was able to sort of like power, power through the week because he was in that mindset. I think a little bit of the fail is that we, we can put ourselves in that mindset, but it is more difficult, especially for our five-year-old to put himself in that mindset. And I think that he could have had we done a better job explaining it, but there were like definitely more by yesterday or by by Tuesday, there were definitely sort of like more, more meltdowns because he was like ready for me to be more involved. But I'm going to focus on the genius, which is that we put on the calendar that I was virtually traveling so that we could be in like the right headspace for me needing to focus on the things that I had to do. And it was great. I love that. We use the calendar for a lot of things because it just makes it easier. Yeah. So, um, live by our calendar. Yeah. <laughs> it's super important. Yvonne, if somebody wants to find you on the on the internet or if they want to learn more, where where should we send them? They can always find me at Agile Yvonne on Twitter or at YvonneMarcus.com. Those are the two places where they're going to reach me every single time. 
Great. All right. So thank you so much for being our guest on the podcast today. And thank you for having me. And thanks so much to everyone else for listening to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have questions that you'd like us to chat about on air, you can email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com or find us on Twitter at, at parentdrivendev. And if you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We're patreon.com slash parentdrivendev or rate us on iTunes. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah.